One day, a father and his son, a little boy, probably about two, two or three years old, made their way to a playground. And in this playground, there was a sandbox. How many parents love it when their kids play in sandboxes? Anybody love it? Anybody? No? No? Really? That's shocking. Surprising. Um, this father seemed to not mind. I, I avoid sandboxes like the plague. I avoid it. If there's a sandbox, I'll go to another playground or something. But um, here his son was playing in the playground, and as you guys know, sand is going everywhere. Sand is just digging through stuff. Sand's going to be in, in all parts of his clothes and every wrinkle in this kid's little baby's body. And he notices as he's digging that there's something in the sandbox. And so now he has a mission. His mission is to discover what this treasure is. And so he begins to dig and dig and dig and dig. And he notices that there's this big rock in this sandbox. How safe is that, right? Amen. And then he begins to say, my next mission is to take this rock and, and, and move it out of the sandbox. So this little boy begins to push this brick rock and push, and he's made it all the way to the edge of the sandbox. Put this timer here. All the way to the edge of the sandbox. And he says, okay, take a breather. Now I, the next hardest thing, most challenging thing of all, is to lift this rock and then over the edge out of the, out of the sandbox. So the father, this whole time, has been watching his son just... Go, go at it. And so he's looking and see how his son's going to go about removing this rock. His son goes and he's trying to lift it and he's pushing and he's growling and he's trying so hard. And he begins to cry because he can't do it. He starts crying. He's so frustrated. He's so tired. His muscles hurt. You know, his body is going through fatigue. And he starts to cry. His father walks over to comfort him, to hold him, says, it's okay, son, it's all right. You don't have to cry. He says, why don't, why don't you try using all the strength that is available to you? And the little boy says, what are you talking about? I, I, I've tried, you know, Daddy, I tried. I, I, I pushed hard. I used all my strength, Daddy. I, I just can't do it. It's too heavy. I used all my strength. And the father said, you did not use all the strength that was available to you because you didn't ask me to help. All you have to do is ask me to help, and I'll use my strength to help you. At that moment, just like that, the father went in and with one hand lifted this huge rock and chucked it out of the sandbox at that moment looking like the world's greatest superhero. <laughs> you know, the thing is, we use this sandbox story and we laugh at it, but, but we're the kids in the sandbox. You understand this? We're the ones in the sandbox struggling with the big rocks of our trials and tribulations, and we're trying to lift these rocks out of our lives, and God is like, mm, you know I can handle that, right? You know I don't... I could just if, you just, if you just call on me, if you just access the power that I have. This is the second message on the series called Power. We're talking about accessing the power of God. And last week we talked about um, the power in the name, the, there's, there's power in the name of Jesus. Today, we are speaking about there is power in praise and worship. If you didn't catch last week's message, please do. I'm praying that it changes the way we uh, understand using the phrase in the name of Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about power in the praise, power in praise and worship. I want to turn to Psalm Chapter 150, verse 6. Psalms chapter 150, verse 6, it says, 
Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 95, 6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Church, it's no secret. It's no secret that in the scriptures, many different places, we're instructed to praise and worship God. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that? We're instructed and we're told in his word, praise the Lord, worship him, praise him, worship him, praise him, worship him, praise him. And so sometimes it's kind of weird when we don't because we are supposed to be doing that. But today, I want to take a look at some important truths about praise and worship. The first one being a simple one, right? You will get out of it what you put into it. Some people are like, oh, I don't know. I lift my hands, but nothing happens. I sang the words, but I don't feel any different. I don't know. I feel weird clapping. It's not a football game. You will get out of worship what you put into it. One of the most powerful principles a person can ever learn is that of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. And that principle can apply to so many things. It can apply to our, our finances uh, when we trust them into the Lord. It can apply to um, our, our, our gifts, you know, that, that we have, our times. It applies to worship as well. Pretty simple, what we put in will determine what you get out of it. Think of it this way. So I have a friend. This is a story. It's not real. But I have to say it in first person. It sounds better. I have a friend. And this friend told me, hey, I got the inside scoop. Some people may think it's, this might be illegal, but it's a story. It's made up. I got the inside scoop on this, on this, uh, on this stock or this and that or this this investment, and if we put in any our investment right now, we're guaranteed 25% return, 25% interest, right? And so uh, I get together and I say, you know what, that's a great idea, you know, uh, but I don't want to tie up too much of my money right now, so I'm just going to put $10,000. Wow, this, is, this definitely is a story. I'm going to put in $10,000. Now, my friend, on the other hand, He's, uh, he decides to put in $100,000, right? Well, time goes on. You kind of forget about the investment. You move on. A year, at, a year term comes to end, and I get a phone call from my friend, and he says, yo, you check your bank account? You, you, check, your, you check your account? I said, no. Why? What happened? He's like, the return, you know, it just kicked in. We got our, we got our investment return. And he's like, I got $25,000, and I said, woohoo, I must have $25,000 too. All the math people are like, no, it's not how it works, Pastor. It's not how it works. So I quickly log into my account. But to my dismay, I don't have $25,000. I have $2,500. I have $2,500. Wait a minute. How could this be? This is some, somebody's out to get me. Someone cheated me. Someone lied to me. I'm going to the bank right now. I'm talking to somebody. Where's Lenny Morales? <laughs> Mr. Morales, I only got $2,500 in my investment. And he's like, okay. My friend got $25,000. And he's like, okay. <laughs> That's good too. His next question would be like, okay, well, how much did your friend invest? Well, he invested $100,000. And how much did you invest? $10,000. Lenny's next word is going to be, security, <laughs> come get this guy. <laughs> come get this guy and get him out of here. Security, get this guy out. The more you invest, the more you make, if things go well, right? We're using the positive <laughs> aspect of this scenario. But the Bible puts it in this way. What you sow 
is what you reap. And we see that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Did you know that praising and worshiping God is a form of sowing into the Spirit? Because, you know, the next question will be like, well, how do I sow into the Spirit? How do I do this? Okay, praise and worship. Praise and worship is sowing into the Spirit. Remember the analogy. The more you put in this investment, the more you're going to get back. Many of us want to access the power of God, but we're not putting any praise and worship in. Are we listening? Are you guys getting this? Listen, Sunday services, first of all, we should be praising and worshiping him 24-7. It needs to become a lifestyle. A lifestyle that is reflected on Sundays. Because on Sundays, we should have a hard time hearing the instruments, hearing those on the microphone. We're going to have to go back there and like, Marcus, you got to make it a little higher because I can't hear Erica. Because we are all worshiping and praising so loudly. Because we are all investing and sowing into the Spirit so fiercely because we want to reap from the Spirit. But is that our scenario? Is that the reality? Are we turning up the microphones up here because we can't hear the worship team? Do we have to turn up the instruments because we're just so lost in worship? The thing is this, we battle. And a lot of us battle with the fact that uh, we have to fight against. Uh, many of us have to learn to fight against, against the urge to only praise and worship God when things are good. We have to fight against only wanting to praise him when all goes good in our lives. We have to fight against only wanting to worship him when it all is working out for us. Because the flesh, right? Our flesh says, it was not a good day. I'm not going to raise my hands. I'm not going to lift my voice. I'm not going to praise God. What kind of harvest would farmers have? Can you imagine? You know farmers, right? Farmers... They live off of the land in two ways. They eat off the land, but they sell what they make so they can provide for their families. So what kind of harvest would a farmer have if on mornings they'd be like, oh, I don't feel like getting up and planting any seeds today. I don't feel like going up and, 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 and you know, harvesting the vegetables and the fruits. Ah, I'm too hurt. I'm too, I'm too offended. I'm too, you know, distracted. Um, you say, you know, I have too many problems. I'm not happy. I don't feel like it. What kind of harvest would they have? They'd be in a world of hurt. Because they'd run out of food for themselves, and they wouldn't be able to provide for their family. And then some bank would come in, and they would now own a farm. But we do the same thing. We praise and worship when we feel like it. When we feel like it. Has anyone ever praised and worshipped him although they didn't feel like it, to then experience a breakthrough that is beyond words. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. First, you plant. Then you reap. Basic spiritual principle. Obedience precedes results. So first comes obedience, 
and then the results. Obedience to his word, right? If his word says to praise him, doesn't say praise him when you're feeling okay. It doesn't say praise him when, you know, all is good, all is well. It doesn't just praise him when the bank account is full, praise him when the refrigerator is full. It doesn't say these things. It just says to praise him and to worship him. And so first comes obedience to that. And then you will see results. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. If you come here on Sundays, if you come here on Sunday mornings and you sit here like a bump on a log through praise and worship, and in your mind you're thinking, I'm going to sit here until God touches me, until he stirs my heart, until he does something in me. And then when he does that, I'll stand up and I'll worship him and I'll praise him. I'm going to bust your bubble real quick. Ain't nothing going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. Second second point I want to make, second uh, truth is that we don't have to feel like praising and worshiping God before we can do it. Because sometimes we feel like, yeah, but if I don't feel like doing it, we have this almost like a guilt of I'm doing it, but I don't feel like doing it. Anyone understands? Like I'm praising God, but I, I know I don't feel like praising God, but I feel guilty that I'm praising him even though I don't really feel like I'm praising him. Does that make sense? And so some of us feel guilty, and, and, and the thing is we don't have to feel we don't have to feel like praising and worshiping God before we actually do it. Because, you see, if we take, if we take a moment to, see, to, to talk about this, this is pretty much a faith issue here. Because this is all an issue of faith when it comes to this. Think, I think of faith as a spiritual muscle, right? How did Arnold Schwarzenegger get all those muscles besides steroids? What? <laughs> years of hard work. When he was at his prime, no one one just goes to the gym once and looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No one can just go to the gym when they feel like it and end up looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No one can only go to the gym when things are nice, only on sunny days, and end up looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have to go all the time. You have to be faithful. You have to be consistent. You have to be persistent through all the circumstances that you go through. Some of us are complaining about our muscles. I can't complain about my small muscles if all I ever lift is the remote. Hey, there are Bibles heavier than remotes. There's, Bible's probably one of the heavier books, right? Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, every church has someone who looks like Arnold, right? Spiritually. Their faith is strong, right? Now everybody's looking around right now. Everybody's like, who's Arnold? Who's Arnold? The faith is strong. But, you got to have both sides of the spectrum, right, when you're making an analogy like this. So you have Arnold's in the church, and we also have some that might remind you of Steve Urkel. Steve Urkel. Anybody remember Steve Urkel? Damon, you know who Steve Urkel is? Yeah? Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned Damien because I was with the young people laser tagging. And I made an announcement to the church. I said, if anybody can beat me, I'll give him a shout out and a t-shirt. Um, so this is how it goes. My team that I led into combat was victorious both times. So give it up for red team. All right. <laughs> On the first, in the first, in the first, we played two games. The first game, 
um, there was no one that exceeded my point, the points uh, um, that I had. The second game, there was someone nicknamed Poseidon because, you know, every gun has a name, right? And I'm like, Poseidon got more than me this game. Who is Poseidon? And no one, no one came up to say anything. And finally, I see Damien in the corner, like, with his little grin. And he's like, I'm Poseidon. I'm like, no, not Damien. <laughs> so, Damien, congratulations, Damien. You beat your pastor who's in his 40s in laser tag. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, no. I think uh, we had an awesome time. These kids are amazing. These kids are awesome. Uh, I'm excited to see what God is going to be doing in the, in the lives of our young people. Amen? But uh, Steve Urkel is the opposite to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Steve Urkel was a skinny, tall, nerdy guy that would be like, did I do that? Every time he would mess up, right? He would always be clumsy and things like that. And so in the same manner that we have Arnold's in the church that are spiritually strong, we have some Urkel's in the church that are weak spiritually, that are clumsy spiritually. They're always messing something up spiritually. They have no muscle at all. We have the spiritual Arnold's that go through life that when things pop up, they be like, yo, Satan, get behind thee. Get out of my way. And they keep going. We're like, wow, how they do that? We see people and we see problems pop up in their lives and we see how they get through it. We see how they overcome it. We see how it doesn't rock their faith in Christ. I was talking to a young man um, in, in the last couple of days and I am, listen, I am, I'm, I'm amazed I'm amazed, I'm amazed beyond my understanding with this young man who has encountered so many obstacles in his walk so far that would have destroyed a normal person's faith in the body of Christ. And, I, and I'm like, wow. Because you don't see that very much these days. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Urkels. There's more Urkels than, than Arnold's. There's a lot of people saying, did I do that? Did I do that? And, there's a, you know, and, 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 we're, and we're trying to, but, but this is the problem why. You guys know teenage boys, right? I was, I was a teenage boy once. And when teenage boys hit around like 12, 13, 14, especially the skinny ones, they be flexing on the, on the mirrors a lot. And there's nothing to flex. It's just like all bones. And they're flexing and they're flexing. I remember doing that. That's the problem with many Urkels that we have in the church. They're skinny. They're weak. They have no muscles. And they're standing before the mirror saying, look at my muscles. And in their brain, somehow, they think that they have muscles. You guys know it. You guys know it. I'm, I, I didn't point at you guys. I didn't point at you guys. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some people have not been honest with themselves on how they truly look. So, so we look at these Arnolds and we say, how do they do that? Wow, they just push our, our obstacles out of the way. Man, they're so strong. They're so, they're, they're so faithful. They're so wise. They just know so much. Trials and obstacles come their way and they just keep going. If they had a good week, they praise God with all their heart. They had a bad week, they still praise God with all the heart. Man. Church, those are battle-hardened warriors. You know what battle-hardened means? It took battle after battle after battle to eventually develop that strength, that persistence, that resilience. It doesn't come overnight. But the Urkels, they've had a great week and they'll praise the Lord. They've had a bad week and no longer well, they praise the Lord. They have a lousy week. They have lousy worship. Look at your neighbor and ask them, are you Arnold or Urkel? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Don't be scared. Do you have big spiritual muscles or are you that 12-year-old boy flexing in the mirror with no muscles? 
those Arnolds in the house have learned to walk by faith, not by what they feel, not by what they're seeing. They're walking by faith. Right now, this seems like a horrible situation. My marriage seems like it's falling apart. My kids seem like they don't listen to me. My job seems like any day might be the last one. This is that. Those are all things that are the, the, uh, what we're seeing through our eyes, but our faith has to be beyond that. It can't be based on that. Our worship can't be based on that. They've learned that no matter how good or bad their week was, the Lord never changes. Therefore, our praise and worship of him should not change either. Can you imagine? I have a bad week. I'm going to praise him. Is he not as great as he was the week before? Does he change that way where he's all sovereign, mighty, awesome God, and then the week that you have a bad week, he no longer is that awesome, powerful God? But that's what you're saying when you don't worship him the same. Like, you don't rate me to worship you today. You're not as powerful as you were last week. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word says that he does not change, he will not change, and he doesn't. He is always worthy. He is always worthy. Psalms 135, 3, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name for it is pleasant. The Lord is good, therefore worthy to be praised. So what happens when you have a terrible week? The boss yelled at you. The washing machine ate up your favorite shirt. The flat tire on the way to church. If you're Rachel, I, this happened to Rachel, flat tire on the way to church. I don't know what to do, Pastor. Leave the car there. We'll send somebody to get you. Just get, out, get to church. We'll deal with it later. <laughs> she went through some boot camp uh, months <laughs> with us in the beginning. You're tired. You're angry. You're miserable. Your husband isn't being... Uh, loving with you, your wife isn't being respectful of you, the kids just won't stop. You are in no state, you are in no mindset to worship. How can I do this? What do I do? Two things. You can sit there like a bump in the log, like I mentioned earlier, refuse to do nothing so you can teach God a lesson. I'll show you. I ain't going to worship right now because there's nothing to worship about in my life. But can I tell you something? Because God is all-knowing, we can never teach him anything, let alone trying to teach him a lesson, right? So the better option is two. We can ask the Lord for forgiveness for any bad attitudes and make a choice to worship the Lord, no matter how you feel. We all come in here feeling different ways, and when we come in here, we have an opportunity to say, Lord, forgive me for the attitude that I walked in here with. Take it away from me. I want to worship you, and I will worship you. You need to make a decision. You need to make a choice to worship. I choose to lift my hands to him and begin to worship, to rejoice all the problems that you may have as you push, as you lift, as you sing, as you shout, as you dance, it eventually disappears when you begin to connect with God. Third truth is that it's not enough to just close your eyes and lift your hands. It matters what you're thinking. Okay? It matters. Listen. We are talking about accessing the power of God, which I think we all want to do in our lives, okay? These next handful of weeks is different ways that we, ac we access the power of God, and I'm expecting some powerful transformations. I'm expecting some powerful testimonies from your lives. I'm expecting God to do some supernatural things that we can't get credit for because it was only through the power of God. 
It matters what we're thinking. Worship isn't about one person, any other person. It's about Jesus Christ. I have met people that said to me, like, oh, we like church, but I don't really like the singing part too much. I remember I was at, we were at a church plant. We were, it, this was a church plant. This is a real conversation I had with someone in our church plant at the time. And I'd be like, bro, you, I said, you got to get here a little earlier. You're missing the worship part. He said to me, he was like, no, I know, I know. And then finally one day he was like, it's just that, you know, it's too much singing for me. It's too much singing for me. I'd rather just listen to the teaching and, like, go home. It's too much singing. It gets kind of boring is what he said. I said, man. John 4, 23 says, but the time is coming indeed. It's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. So God isn't looking for perfect singers. God isn't looking for perfect musicians. He's looking for worshipers. Guess what? This worship team is not the only team that can worship on Sundays. You see, a worship team leads the church in worship, meaning... That they're leading in worship, but you too are also worshiping. It's not just them. Because for that, then you buy a ticket somewhere, you go see some Christian band sing. That's the difference. The difference is that we're not here to be entertained, to watch a show. We're here to be led into worship and to worship with one another, uh, to the Lord with one another. Can you believe that some people, not in this church, not in this church, because I could, I could see from up here. But some people in some churches, especially after the invention of the smartphone, will watch football games on their phone during church. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> they will be on Facebook during the service. They will be on Instagram during the service. I mean, I know no one here does it. Because back in the day, it used to be like... You, Who's old enough to remember those handheld, like, little TV ones? You know, remember the little small little TV things that you had a little earpiece? You know, you had to run it through your shirt and kind of put it like this so nobody could really could see. And you can listen or watch a game, sports, while you're at church. Not everyone listens to the sermon. Not everyone focuses on the Lord during worship. For many of us, the problem is what goes on up in here. Listen, I know the battle. You guys know I can't stay still longer than like five minutes. My mind is always everywhere. Some people have to like snap me back. Pastor, Pastor, you hear what I'm, I'm talking to you? Like, oh, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. Because my mind is thinking of 500 different things. My mind is everywhere. This is the reason why many of us struggle to focus. Here I am, lifting my hands. I'm singing the songs, right? Worthy is the Lamb. I'm being very spiritual on the outside. I started to focus with, I started to praise with the right intention. I, I, I really want to praise God. I want to worship Him. But all of a sudden, as I'm praising God, my stomach starts to rumble. And at that moment, I'm like, man, I'm hungry. I can't wait to get something to eat. I wonder where I should get something to eat. I wonder how long the service will be. I wonder who I can go with. Who wants to come with me after to eat? Maybe I'll go with Omar. No, I went with Omar last time. He didn't pick a good restaurant. Maybe I'll go with him. Mind you, this is all happening while you still have your hands raised. And you're singing the song, but you are already planning lunch, where it's going to be, how much you're going to eat, who you're going to go with, how long you're going to hang out. Maybe I should get a babysitter. Maybe I should make it an afternoon thing. Maybe, and, you, and your mind begins to go in a whole nother world. It happens with things like that. It happens with bills. It happens with, oh, did I turn the stove off? Did I do this? I mean, our mind will go and will go all over the place. Your, your lips are moving, but your mind, mind is a thousand miles away. Matthew 15, 8 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts 
are far from me. <laughs> you know, you, this, 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 this is what I imagine. You, remember, you guys know people, and I might be one of those persons, right? You're talking to this person, or, 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 or you are that person, or you know someone like this, but you're speaking to a person, right? And you're going to tell them about how your day went, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, you're like, right? And they're like, huh? Oh, wait, what? You didn't hear what I was saying to you? They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, I didn't catch the last part. <laughs> I didn't catch the last part. Some of you guys get caught like that in Bible study, too. Uh, can you repeat the question again? <laughs> can you repeat the question again? Um. It happens, right? It happens when we're there with people. We are there, but for a moment, our mind slips and goes somewhere else. Uh, what was that? So close in proximity. We could be like so close in proximity, but so far apart. My, our minds can be so far apart. We worship, but he's there watching, asking, is there anyone home? You know, like, the same way where you're, like, talking to someone, and you're like, this dude's not even listening to me. Chris is not even paying attention to what I'm saying. I'm right here in front of him. I'm speaking. I'm right here, and he's not even focused on. That's what God, that, that's, that's the picture I get when we stand here. We worship God with our minds and our hearts completely in another place. And he's standing here, and he's like, anyone home? You're not even there, are you? You're not even here. You're here, but you're not here. You're here, but you're not here. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and all your strength. How can we connect with God if we don't put our whole heart into it? I know, because I love my wife, that I am intentional on making sure I pay attention when she's speaking. I have to pay attention because, you know, I already know the, the, the natural of me. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm focused. It's now I'm doing things. I'll tell people, like, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening, and I'm still doing things. Now. But I know because I love my wife and I want her to understand that she is being heard and I want her to know that she matters and I want her to know that I care about what she's going through, I'm going to be intentional. And when she begins to talk, I'm like, okay, all right. Oh, I didn't know that. This is that, blah, blah, blah. And, and you engage and talk because I, I, love, I love her and so I'm going to put my heart into it. How can we say we love God and not put our heart into Fourth truth is we should say, what we say, what we say we believe should match up with how we act. Sports events are awesome. I'm not anti-sports. I'm not. I'm not. There's, there's, there's a level in the pecking order for sports. And in my life, sports don't come before God, right? But so, so I'm not against sports. They're awesome. You got, a thousand, you got thousands of people, thousands of people in a stadium, a stadium that, that it's, an, it's amazing structure, right, you, that, 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 have, that can hold so many people to watch an event. You look down at the stadium and, and you see, you know, everyone's, everyone's erupting and jumping and screaming when, teams, when their home team scores. They're on their feet. They're jumping. You know, you got the people that be like extra. They're like, ah! their faces all painted. They come with no shirts and they all have the letters on them. You know, they, they got some extreme fanatics. Let's consider the logic for a moment. Some guy picks up an inflated piece of leather, right? He runs across grass and he puts it down on the floor behind or in front of a line that some guy drew on the grass. And we jump with passion. 
with all our heart and soul because some guy just picked up a piece of leather and moved it closer to the end of a field. Yet, yet, we can't get excited about worshiping God. We can't get excited about worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. He did a lot more than pick up an inflated ball. He died on the cross. He died on the cross. He was beaten. He was tortured. He did it for you, for me, for, 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 the, for the sinners that don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of this, and he did it, but we can't worship and praise him the way we do that guy that picks up the football. We can't worship and praise him, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the, the God that paid the ultimate price. We can't get excited about that. Yet we say we believe. We say we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We say that we believe that he died on the cross for us. We say that we believe that God is powerful. We say that we believe these things, yet we don't act like it. If there was a particular Hollywood star, singer, or musician, famous, that would walk in through the doors right now, some of y'all would be screaming and fainting. Because that's what happens. I mean, I see it on TV. I don't know why people faint. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you would faint when you just see another person. I don't understand that to me. Oh, but pastor, they're so overwhelmed. No, no, stop it. Pray for that person, please. Their priorities all mixed up. Um, and I've seen famous people here and there, so it's not like, oh, you've never seen nobody. No, I have. I have. You know, a couple of times it's like, oh, look, look who's over there. You know, it's not just like, oh, my God. Ah, ah, you? <laughs> I don't get it. Some of you, though, will be screaming, oh, and so excited. I'm like, man, that's the loudest we ever heard, Sasha. <laughs> no, we've heard Sasha. Sasha sang at our Christmas party last year. We heard Sasha. Sasha ain't shy. She'll sing. Um, there would be so much screaming, and some people would faint. But I'm like, man, they don't scream like that for Jesus. <laughs> they don't scream like that for Christ. Sometimes we're singing all the songs, but, while, but all the while we're thinking about other things. You know, we're singing a song, and we're like, oh, is this a new song? Have we sung this song before? This is a pretty interesting song. Wait, this is a pretty long song. When is this song going to end? How many times are we going to sing this one song? There is, yo, there are times that I don't want a song to even end ever. Sometimes I don't know how long I can sing a song, right? we got to be considerate of everybody else who's thinking these things. singing, we're singing like, hey, I can't, this is a good song, but I can't hear Erica. I can't, I can kind of hear the bass. I can't hear the bass. I can't, and we go through the whole thing when we should be focusing on worshiping God. Criticism, boredom, impatience, these are all true enemies of worship. So what does it say about our sense of reality of God's presence if we say that he's here, but we act like he's not. If I were to ask any of you guys coming in through the door, like, do you believe the presence of God is here? You're going to be like, yes, pastor. I don't think any of you guys are going to be like, nah, presence of God ain't here. I don't, I, no one's going to say that. When you guys are walking in here, you guys, are, you guys would say, yeah, I believe the presence of God is here. So it tells me that many of you guys believe that God is here. But many times we struggle to act like it through worship and praise. So either we don't really believe that he's here or you don't care. 
Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 says, For where there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. We talked about my name last week. If there's two or three gathered that are representatives of Christ, if there's two or three gathered that have his interest before their interest, if there's two or three gathered that have relationship with him, that understand what this really is about, the word says that he is in the midst of them. So I can look out right now, and I know that there's more than two or three of us that are gathered in his name, which means that he is here. So I haven't talked about the ways you can praise God because it's pretty simple to most. You know, we can do it by praising. We can clap. We can sing. We can dance. We can shout. You know? The word, it's all in the Bible. The Bible teaches us how to praise and worship. It's in there. That's, maybe that's another teaching. But I'm going to ask you to do something real crazy. Really crazy. Some of you guys might be a little too much. But I'm going to ask you to, <laughs> to worship like it's true that Jesus is here. I mean, I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. You could be at home, and the same applies to you, those that are watching online. I want to challenge you to do something really crazy. I want you to worship like if it's true that Jesus is here. And lastly, lastly, there truly is power in praise. There truly is power in praise. Imagine being in a war. You're in the trenches, right? And you got your little, we had M16s back then. I know they, I know they, they changed them, but you have your M16. And our M16 were not fully automatic because that would be very expensive for the U.S. government. So we have the, the semi-burst. It was like you have a three-round burst, so you can do single or three-round burst. So we have it on three-round burst. Every time you press it, three bullets come out. That's what we had, right? So you're in combat. You're in your trench. You got a little M16. And all of a sudden, you see a wave of the enemy coming over the hills, coming toward your direction. You got a little M16 and a couple other people in the trench with you. And you see the enemy coming in full force. At this moment, you begin to truly... <laughs> Go back to why you even made the decision to be there in the first place, right? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And thank God for your United States Marine sergeant that walks over to you. He's like, listen up, boy. It's going to be all right. Don't be scared. We got this. And you're like, sir, a sergeant, I just, I, I, we, can't, we can't just use this. And he's like, hey, I got you. I want you to use this rocket launcher that I have back here for you. And just aim it to the clumps where you see all the people. Just aim it that direction. You'll be all right. You got unlimited rockets in this scenario. You'll be all right. At that moment, I turned to my sergeant. I said, but sergeant, you don't understand. I just, I just don't feel like it right now. I just don't feel like it. Here you have the enemy approaching your position. If you do not respond in time, the enemy will overtake your, your camp, will overtake your life. You're handed an opportunity to defend yourself with this rocket launcher. And you say, but I just don't feel like it right now, Sergeant. You don't understand I'm afraid, I'm hurt, I'm unhappy, I'm depressed. My husband, my wife, they yelled at me. And the sergeant looks at Jesus, don't give me excuses. Put to use this rocket launcher. You know, it's, it's a little bit like what happens in the church. 
Some people, you'd swear by watching them that life is always good to them. But the truth is that they've made a decision to not let their circumstances or feelings determine their behavior. In this scenario, their feelings of fear, their feelings of anger, their feelings of whatever the case may be was, 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 was uh, freezing them up to then t- use what was given to them to overcome the situation. Many people in the church are stuck at their feelings. They're stuck at feelings. And they can't move forward from it. Psalms 149, 5-9 says, Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praises of God be in their mouths as a sharp sword in their hands to execute kind of vicious, right? To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains, to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glorious privilege of his faithful ones. Now that's a weapon. There is an awesome power that's released through praise and worship. Church, can you stand with me this morning? There's an awesome power. It's an awesome power that's released through praise and worship. You have access to that power. When we praise God, there's an amazing power that's released There's amazing power released from the heavenlies. I don't praise, I don't praise because I feel like it. I praise him because he said to. I praise him because he's good to me. I praise him because of who he is. I praise and worship him because when I do, he does great things. I told the story before, and I want to I say it again. Some of you guys will remember it. The story of a little yellow birdie sitting in, sitting on a little windowsill. The owner was cleaning the curtains, dusting the curtains with a vacuum cleaner. You know how some people, like, they suck all the dirt and the dust from the curtains and stuff like that? And here's this beautiful little bird singing away on the windowsill, singing and singing and singing and singing and singing and singing and all of a sudden singing. Sucked into the vacuum cleaner. Oh, no! And the owner goes and rips apart the vacuum cleaner and pulls a little birdie out. Are you Okay. Oh, oh, she's good, she's good, she's good. It puts her back on the windowsill. But there's one thing different now. Little bird isn't singing anymore. Little bird is traumatized. Little bird has been through a, a, a very difficult life <laughs> moment. Close to death. You know, there are some of us here today just like that. There may have been a time when we worship. There may have been a time when we're super excited. There may have been a time when you raise your hands and shout out to Jesus. There may have been a time, perhaps when you first came to Christ, perhaps when you were in that first love. But then something happened. Something happened in your life that all of a sudden you have no song anymore. It traumatized you. You were hurt. You were offended. You were damaged. Something that wasn't very nice happened. Can I tell you that God wants to heal that today? Because 
He wants your worship and praise. He wants your worship and praise. Do you know there's power in praise and worship? When we praise and worship, there's power to comfort us in troubled times. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Not only does he comfort us in times of trouble, but he comforts us so that we can help other people. When you praise and worship, you access power to save you from your enemies. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. That's Jeremiah 20, 13. When we praise and worship God, we access power in Him for Him to do great wonders. Deuteronomy 10, 21 says, He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. When we praise and worship Him, we access a power of healing. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Exodus 23, 25. Church, we can all be walking under the power and the authority of God. Like, you have access to this. Like, why wouldn't you want it? Why wouldn't you want to take that rocket launcher to save your own life? Why, don't, why, why would you want to step up and, and, and just walk in the power and anointing of God when he's giving you that, that, that accessibility? Like, you know, he's like, I can handle that for you. Why won't you let him take the rock out of the sandbox in your life? Why? Why do we feel like we got to do it on our own? Why do we feel like we got to do it ourselves? Why do we feel that way? Half of it is pride. Well, more than half maybe. Some of it is stubbornness. Some of it is rebelliousness. You have the opportunity to access a God that has the power to do anything and everything. And we don't use it. How many of you would have a winning lottery ticket of $800 million sitting on your dresser when you know that's $800 million. Everybody's like, well, Pastor, that's different. Um, you know that there's something there. You know it's worth something, and you're not going to let it stay there. You're going to take it, and you're going to cash it in. There's something greater, greater than money, greater than riches, greater that we have access to. And we leave it on the dresser. You don't access it. You don't invest in it. You don't sow into it. And then we question ourselves like, why am I going through this? Why when I pray for people, nothing happens? Why when I pray in my home, nothing happens? Why when I pray? Listen to me. What you sow into the Spirit, you will reap. I want to open the altar this morning and I believe that there are several of you that will come up, at the very minimum several, because this is something that will change your life. This is something that will change your life. 
praising and worshiping him is something that will change your life. And so the altar is open because sometimes we have struggles in our praise and worship. Sometimes it's maybe we just, we're too distracted. We got so much going on in our lives. We, we, we want to be empowered. We want to be strengthened. We, we, need, we need his boldness. I mean, there's so many reasons why. Whatever the reason may be, I want you to leave it at the altar this morning. So the altar is open this morning so that we can come before God and say, you can tell him, Lord, I need to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help me. Help me be the worshiper that you want me to be. If you feel that you are the perfect worshiper, then I would expect you to stay in your seats today. But if you feel that there's areas in your life that you can improve when it comes to praise and worship, then I am challenging you to take a step of faith today and come up to this altar and say, Lord, empower me. Lord, strengthen me. I want to praise you. I want to worship you. I need the power of God in my life through these circumstances that I'm going through. You should be taking a step forward.